Hi, I'm the Ish Girl, and you're listening to episode 57 of Connection, Not Perfection. The podcast where parents and teachers can find ideas, strategies, and resources for connecting with teens. Hey there, I'm Amy, also known as the Ish Girl, your host on Connection Not Perfection, and I want to welcome you. If we've hung out before, thank you for dropping by again, and if you're new here, I am so glad that you've joined us. This week is part two of a discussion that I started last week with life coach Diane Lynn, and there are a couple of things that I want to say up front. Number one, this episode is a lot longer than most of the ones that I do. I usually try to keep it around half an hour. So if you are pressed for time, then I would definitely listen to it at one and a half or even two times the normal speed. Now I know that might make us sound like chipmunks, but that is okay. It is long because there are so many great things that Diane shares, and I did not want you guys to miss a single second. Okay, second thing, we recorded at my office, and apparently it was landscaping day because you can hear a lawnmower in the background every once in a while. And we actually had to stop recording for a good bit because it got so loud. So my apologies for that, and hopefully it won't be too distracting for you, but if you notice it, I wanted you to know what it was. Okay, the third thing, I shared Diane's background and credentials in episode 56, and you can also find them in that episode's show notes, and I'm including them on this episode's show notes as well. She is an incredible lady, and you will want to go check those out. I'm not going to go over them right now because, again, I want to keep my introduction and my wrap-up as short and as sweet as possible because, again, it's a long episode. Now, the next thing, we're continuing our discussion about the self-coaching thought model. And this week, we are going to be going over some of the pitfalls to avoid when you use that coaching model. And I cannot wait for you to hear Diane walk me through some thought model examples to to show you what some of those pitfalls can be, which leads me to my next point, which is number five, the parenting models that we do are only examples and not personal experiences of mine. I wanted to put that disclaimer in because I want to make sure my own teens know that I am not violating their privacy in any way. These are some universal examples that Diane did and I decided on because we really felt like they'd benefit the largest number of people. Okay, one last thing. Diane and I put together a great resource that you can find in my show notes. It's a PDF of all the steps to take to go through this thought model that we're sharing, along with a blank model and an example. That's all in one document that I share with you for free um, in my show notes. So you can find that at theishgirl.com forward slash EP57. Okay, let's get to it, guys. Here is part two of my conversation with Diane Lynn. Okay, Diane, thank you so much for coming back today. I am super excited to really dive into the thought model that we talked about last week because I know that I know that I know that it's so helpful and I know that people are really going to be able to use it to make changes in their lives. So I also know that it's something that takes a lot of practice to do, and there are some pitfalls. So we're definitely going to talk about those today, but I would love for you to just start off. Maybe somebody's listening to this for the first time and haven't gotten to listen to episode 56. So why don't you run through the thought model again and just go through those five buckets that everything can be divided into in life. So just recap for us. Sure. Happy to. The thought model is something that was developed by Brooke Castillo of the Life Coach School, and they represent five things that everything in life can be categorized into, and they are circumstances, thoughts, feelings, actions, or results. Everything that happens in your life can be one of categorized into one of those things without any leftovers. Right. And I do have to say I was skeptical about that when you first shared that with me, but I think like it's really true. Like you can put everything into one of those categories. Yeah. And it's very important to help understand those things to help understand what they're causing as far as the results in your life. Right. Okay. So why don't we go back through and tell us what a circumstance is. Okay. A circumstance is is where it all starts. That is an indisputable fact. It's something neutral that has no emotion. Okay. We can all agree on it. Yes, it's something that can be proven in a court of law. We can all look outside and see that it's raining, and we can all agree it's raining. We can go outside and get wet. It is a fact. There's no emotion about it. There's just 
It just is. It just is. It is what it is. Okay. Yeah. And then thoughts would be? That is our interpretation of those facts. Okay. And so you don't really have a thought until you're you're, you're thinking about a circumstance always. Right. So going with the rain thing, I could think, oh, yay, my plants are going to get water today. And you might think, oh, no, it's raining today. Yes. Right. I've got to run errands or whatever. Yes. So thoughts can be varied depending on who's doing the thinking. Absolutely. And thoughts are simply just sentences that happen in our minds. I love that. Very simple, right? (laughs) Okay. And then we go to feelings because a thought would generate a feeling. Correct. Feelings are always caused by our thoughts and feelings are vibrations that you feel in your body. And I'm not talking about I feel hungry or tired. I'm talking about feeling sad, feeling um, depressed, feeling anxious, feeling happy. Emotions, yes. Okay. And they are always caused by our thoughts. You might think that they're caused by the circumstance, but they're not. There's always a thought in between. That's something that people do a lot of. They assume, wait a minute, there's the circumstance because it's raining and it makes me feel sad. Well, why are you feeling sad? You actually must have had a thought about the rain. And that happens so quickly that we don't even realize that. I've been so surprised in working with you, like how quickly you can go all the way from a circumstance to a result even, much less from circumstance to feeling, because these are all kind of sequential and and interrelated. And so again, talking about what we did last week, really slowing down and pulling this apart is where the power is. It really is. Okay. Yeah. All right. So let's move on from feelings to actions. Right. So actions are always caused by our feelings. We may think we take action because of a thought or because of a circumstance, but the only reason we ever take action is because of the way we feel or the way we want to feel. And those things could be either taking an action or not taking an action, which is also an action. So I'm going to restate that because, again, it just really strikes me as being so powerful. Everything that we do, every action that we take is in response to how we're feeling. Yes. Right. And not necessarily feeling sick or feeling hungry like you talked about, but to our emotional response to our thought. Correct. Right. Okay. Right. All right. And so then that leads us into our our results. So our actions lead to results. Right. So results are always caused by our actions and they are always evidence of the original thought. And if for some reason they're not, then you're somewhere your model has gone awry. We talked about some of the pitfalls. Well, this is one of them. In the results line, if you can't see that there is evidence in your result of the original thought that you had, then you are probably got something wrong in your model and you need to go back through it. So just go back through with each step and say, okay, here's this circumstance. Is it neutral? Yes or no? Okay. This, here's my thought about that. Here's the feeling that I have when I get that thought. Here's the action that I take when I get have that feeling, and here's the result. And it'll probably clean it up, and you'll see where your thought ultimately caused your result. Okay. And I love that you mentioned the pitfalls, because that's really something that we're going to focus on today, because I, I truly want people to be able to walk away from this able to use and practice this whole concept, right? And if you're listening now, you might, if you're in a place where you can pause and go and grab the freebie that we have for this, because um, that's going to be on my show notes at theishgirl.com forward slash EP57. If you're a visual person, it might make it easier for you to really understand what we're talking about here. We'll wait while you pause and go and grab that. Okay, so here are some of the pitfalls I I feel like I've experienced as I've worked through this with you, Diane, and you can add to or or clarify, you know, if if we need to here. I think a lot of times it's easy for your feeling to not match up with your thought, right? So I might think I have a feel, a certain feeling, but until that feel, I feel that resonate in my body, like a real physical reaction, truly then it's probably not the match, right? Yes. So okay. so that's one pitfall, is making sure your feeling matches up with the thought that you yeah. have. Yeah, just sit with it for a minute. Think the thought, repeat it over and over again, and just really try to pay attention to your body and, and feel what kind of emotion comes up for you right. in your body as you say it. 
And another thing that can help is say it to someone else. Ah. Talk to someone else about it. And that's why coaching is so valuable because you you're, have the opportunity to go through this with a life coach and they can ask you, well, wait a minute, and ask a bunch more questions about that thought and really help you pinpoint, okay, wait a minute, this is, it's not frustration. It was actually that I felt desperate. Right. Oh, well, that actually drives some different actions. And you can have a really clean model if you get the chance to talk it through with someone that knows how to do them. Well, and I think that that is a really great point. We actually talked about this after we recorded last week's show, which is it is helpful to have a friend or partner or whatever to kind of go back and forth with on this. Somebody who understands what the model is and can kind of be a sounding board for you. Yes, yes. I love that. It's because it's so hard to see when it's you. It is, isn't it? Like it is. I can do models all day long on my kids and on my husband (laughs) when it comes to me. Like, right? Like, I need need the assistance to kind of... To have eyes to see. We have these really, really strong neural pathways that happen so quickly. And so they're just tied so tightly to just being a fact in our brains. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's so hard to pick it apart. And it's really helpful to have somebody else give their perspective and really help you zero right. in on the right emotion. Right. I love that. All right. Another pitfall would be um, your action and your results mentioning anyone other than yourself. And I love this because again, this goes back to what I talked about last week, which is this really prompts you to take personal responsibility. This this model doesn't have to do with anyone other than yourself. So if your result is, well, you know, this made my mother-in-law do this or, you know, or whatever it is, no. Like that from from everything that all the work I've done with you, it is all about what's happening within me and for me, etc. Yeah, so that is a key component. You, This is all about you. Uh, you got to be selfish on these models, um, so to speak. Really, you cannot control anyone else. The only person you have control over is yourself. So you cannot change anyone else's thoughts, feelings, actions, or results with your own thoughts. So if you find that someone else is in your action line or in your result line, you need to take them out of there and just take the action that you're going to take and get the result that you're going to get. Right. And I I have to say, I would disagree. This is not selfish at all, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would argue that it is really about the, your responsibility, right? Yeah. Like you're really owning your thoughts, your feelings, your actions, and the results. And yes. so blaming someone else or projecting onto someone else just doesn't fit here. And I love that. Like that is, to me, that is being a grown up, right? It absolutely is. Brooke would describe it as emotional adulthood. Yes. Taking responsibility for your thoughts, your feelings, your actions, your results, things like that. Not hanging your happiness on someone else. Right. You know, if like they if, do this, then I'll be happy. Just, yeah, if they would just blah, blah, blah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, That's where it. you get into trouble. <laughs> For sure. Okay, and then, um, uh, so another pitfall, kind of moving forward, and I think you already mentioned this, is when your result does not tie back to your original thought. You really kind of have to go back through and clean it up. And I think you've really given us a good formula for that where you go through step by step and you ask yourself good questions about, okay, does this fit? here does this fit here yeah so forth and so on so you kind of need to become like a five-year-old and just keep asking your why 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 yes (laughs) yes why do you why did you think that why did you feel that can keep going keep do another thought download if you have to but until you actually will tease it out and then when you get it you'll know right yeah and that's what i was going to say like that seems so tedious, but it really works to just keep digging, keep digging, keep digging, and you get down there. And for me, because I'm much more of a big picture girl than going through the details, as excruciating as it is sometimes to dig in and keep asking the why, I think the benefit is in figuring out like just the epiphanies that you can have mm-hmm. for, oh my gosh, I did not even realize that that was what my thought was, but it totally is, and it's causing all this. And now I can replace it with an intentional thought, which leads us into the next thing, a pitfall to avoid is not practicing. I think we've talked about practicing those intentional thoughts is crucial to being able to make the change. So it's not even just identifying your unintentional things, it's going back through, creating an intentional thought based on that circumstance, and then 
replacing it. Every time your brain wants to veer you off to thinking your old unintentional thought, you've got to bring it back into line and and say, nope, I'm not thinking that way anymore. Here's the thought I'm going to think. Right. I usually recommend to all my clients to grab a post-it note and write that intentional thought and put it on your mirror and say it to yourself in the morning or put it in your phone or, you know, put it where you're going to see it on your computer so that you remind yourself that this is what I want to think about that circumstance. And it may not come very naturally at first because you have to remember you're working with a, like a really strong, old, years-long neural pathway that now you're trying to change with a new one. And that is like a, it's like a little sapling tree that needs nourishment. You know, you need to continue to think it and it'll grow and get bigger and stronger. And pretty soon that will be your natural reaction to the circumstance, but it does take a little work, a little repetition, reminding yourself. Right. I like to think of it in my brain as kind of threads. And every time I think that thought, it lays another layer of thread. Yes. So you're building kind of a rope, like strand by strand by strand. Yes. So every time you walk through, you do that like that. Okay. Definitely. All right. So now that we've kind of gotten all that out there, we've gone over the thought model. We know what the five buckets are. We know what the pitfalls are. I would love to walk through a couple more models um, just to kind of familiarize people with what the process looks like. And I know last week we did a model for a teacher and this week we're going to do another one for a teacher, but a couple for parents as well. Because I go back to what I say, this is not only profoundly um, helpful and something that's going to help you create change, but teaching this to the teens in your life is just mind-blowingly powerful, I feel like. Absolutely. I love the idea of of kids knowing how to think. No one teaches you how to think. You didn't actually even realize your thoughts are optional and and that they can be changed. And it would be so powerful if that was something that was taught in school at a certain development age. I'm not quite sure what would be perfect for that, but certainly teenagers um, should be able to grasp this concept and start to realize, wait a minute, I don't always have to react this this same way to this circumstance. I can change this. I can think about this differently. What power. Right. And not just that, I feel like as a mom and then even as an educator when I taught school, one of my big goals and, and a huge life skill, I feel like, is being able to take responsibility for what's yours and not try to kind of duck out of it. If you can really just stand up and say, I am responsible, yes, I can change it, um, but this is how I've been thinking or how I've been acting or whatever it is, and I have the power to change it. Like, that is huge. Absolutely. But, yeah. Okay. All right. So let's dive in and... Why don't we start with this circumstance? It's something you and I have talked about before, but the circumstance in this situation would be my son got a 52 on a test. Correct. Now, that is a good circumstance. There is no emotion in that statement whatsoever, despite what a lot of you may have been thinking the second Amy said that, (laughs) which is, you know, that's a terrible grade, maybe you're thinking, or maybe you're thinking, wow, that's better than my son did on his last test. Right. Lots of thoughts we could have about that, but you're right. That is a completely neutral circumstance it's, it's a fact right and it's facty to use a word that, that you you yeah. shared with us last week because I could say my son failed his test but that's not as facty and as neutral as right my son got a 52 on his right test. because the word fail has a connotation that absolutely is putting some subjectivity into that fact um yeah yeah <laughs> right. <laughs> right okay so the thought with that why don't we go with maybe a more negative one because i think that's where most of us would the tend unintentional to go. one the yeah. unintentional uh, oh yeah there's the judgment so let's go mm-hmm. with the more unintentional thought <laughs> <laughs> okay so that might be something like He's not studying hard enough. Right. 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 But that absolutely could be a thought that someone would have about that. Okay. Yeah. All right. And so then I need to determine what my feelings are around that thought. Mm -hmm. Right. When you think that thought, you sound kind of angry. I think that that fits. Absolutely. So, and when I'm angry, usually the actions I take are ones that I regret. Right. So... Yeah, maybe not your best parenting moments. Right, right. So I might do something like snap at him or shame him. Um, Right. You know, talk about disappointments and frustration and all that with him. 
Right, because you're emotional, you're angry, and you're, that is going to cause you to do things that you may not prefer to do. Right. And then what result do you get from that? Well, the result is I'm upset, he's upset, I'm sure, or um, done with me, for sure, <laughs> and I'm feeling done with him, and we haven't solved any anything. We haven't come to any kind of resolution or made a plan or anything of that sort. So that would be, yeah, that would be where we would end up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's try an intentional thought model. So the circumstance would be identical. It's my son got a 52 on a test. It's still a completely neutral circumstance. So what's your intentional thought you prefer to think about that? Yeah, this one is a hard one, I think, because that fact, that circumstance does generate a lot of thoughts. (laughs) And so trying to pull one that's going to be productive is a challenge. Okay. So let's... So if that's def- if it's too hard to imagine, like what what should I what would I prefer to think? Then what you can do is what would I prefer to feel? Oh, okay. or what action would I prefer to take, or what result do I want? Because this is a, like a math equation, you can plug in any one of these spots and figure out from there what you need to think, feel, do, or the result okay. you want. So each of the five things is a variable, is what I'm hearing yes. you say, and I can plug in so it. Once I have my circumstance, and sometimes even without the circumstance, I know we've done yeah. that before too, um, you can plug in into any one of those five areas and then kind of back out of it, right? Correct. Like I mean, you through. could even be sitting on the couch and be feeling depressed and have no clue why. So you put the word depression in the feelings line and start trying to figure it out. Okay. Kind you of know, back, right? Yeah, back so, into it. Obviously, it, yeah. it made me sit on the couch and do nothing. But what was the thought I'm having that's causing that depression? And you, and you're gonna have to probe, but it'll come. And, right. And then, then you can fill in the rest of the model from there. Okay, I love that. All right. So, what do I want to feel when my son gets a 52 on his test? Um, I'd like to have empathy because I know that that creates connection, right? So I want to be empathetic, and then. Rather than just making a bunch of assumptions about how he got to that place, I think I'd want to feel curious. And I know that's two emotions Yeah. when we're supposed to do just one, but I feel like those are interrelated enough that maybe would that work too? Well, it should be just one. We can try it and see um, if one comes out stronger than the other. So if you were to feel curious about... Uh, you know, you know, approach him with curiosity. You want to feel curious about him getting a 52 on a test. What would be the thought that would generate curiosity in your body? I'm curious why he's struggling. Um, let me ask him questions about it. Hmm. Right. Yeah. So when you said that thought just now, I'm curious why he's struggling. Let me ask him questions about it. Did you give it, did it give you a feeling of curiosity or empathy? Curiosity. Okay. All right. So I, I would say you definitely have a thought that will generate curiosity there. If you want to feel empath- empathy, I would come up with a different thought. Okay. That different thought might be, I want to make sure my son knows I love him and understand him. Yeah. And maybe something like, um, I'm sure him, I'm sure he's upset. You okay. know, let me talk to him about it. Okay. Or, you know, maybe something like that okay. would generate empathy. Okay. Yeah. You just have to, it's kind of like trying on clothes. You just try on the thought and see what kind of vibrations you feel around right. it. Well, I know a second ago when I said that I'm curious why he's struggling, I felt my shoulders even kind of go down a little bit. Like I didn't realize they were kind of up around my ears, mm. kind of tense, and I just kind of felt them relaxing, like that physical response. Oh, I would so definitely go. The curiosity yeah. then feeling is a good feeling for you then. Yeah. That's good. Okay. And I think that that's key in doing this is really paying, being self-aware, paying attention to your, not just what's going on in your head, but what's going on in your body. Cause often that's a very clear reflection. Absolutely. So, okay. Yeah. All right. So then we would go from my feeling of curiosity, which we plugged in first, we backtracked and filled in the thought. Now we go back down to the action. And so you think, okay, if I'm feeling curiosity, what actions would I take? I'm going to talk to him, right? I'm going to ask questions. I'm going to, um, without judgment, I'm going to say, help me understand what happened here or tell me about your test or, you know, just working on communicating with him. Yeah, yeah. So those sounds like sound like um, pa- parenting actions that you would prefer to take in this situation. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And then so what results would you get if you took those actions? Um, I would definitely understand where his struggle is 
and I would help him make a plan probably like we would work because that would be part of the disc having the discussion the curiosity would be identifying where the issue is right and then creating some kind of plan to move forward right very good that's a good model now notice that we didn't say something like he feels better and he'll do better on the next test Right. That's not what this model is about. Right. His actions and results are all his. As much as we'd like to think we're in control of them, we are not. We're in control of how we handle the situation and how we understand, you know, where he's struggling and help him make a plan. Right. It's about what what our results are. Well, and I can even imagine a parent listening to this or even a teacher listening to this and going, yeah, that action step sounds super nice. Like, have a great conversation with them and figure out a plan. But that might not be a reality for some people because their teen may push back. I think oftentimes teens push back. So then your result would be, I've done what I can to connect and now a different circumstance has arisen because then the circumstance would be it would then be I've talked to my son about his test and help me out here because I, I don't yeah. know like and, and he's and he doesn't want to talk to me about and it he, or he, he refuses to talk to me about it and so yeah. then you do another model how do I feel about that right what do I think about it and, and then so you're just continuing this process in order to get to the result that you Right. And, and the result that you want ultimately is that you provide the best parenting possible for your son. Right. You don't want to get to a situation where you have these all these unintentional models all over the place that are just you getting angry and snapping at him and saying the wrong thing and, and regretting your parenting. What you want to have is just to consistently give him the best parenting possible always whether he resists or not you know and and he may I mean he may completely not want anything to do with understanding a model or trying to figure out why he got a 52 on the test but the best thing that you can do always is to just continue to try to provide the best parenting you can right right and you really the results can't include anything about him really no no, because so this result that we have is I understand where his struggle is and I've helped him make a plan. And that's, you know, we're, we're hoping that that was the result because he was receptive to making the plan, but he may not be. Well, I'm, let's park on that for a second because I think that's really huge, especially as a mom, because I think sometimes we take ownership of what their result is. Yes. And so really being able to separate out what is mine in this equation and what is theirs in this equation is powerful as well. Because you cannot, as much as we would like to, you cannot force your child to do anything. I mean, you can, but it still always comes down to a choice though, right? Like, and I've done this with my kids where I'll say, well, you can choose, you know, if we're using this example, you can choose to study and follow this plan, or you can choose to not have any technology and not have any friend time and not, you know, the list goes on and on. You're on restriction. I've had occasions where my kids have chosen the restriction just because. Yeah. 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 And that's, and I think that there are those kids out there that can be contrarians, I guess. I think I was one of those kids. I was too. Sorry, mom. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Sorry, mom and dad. So, um, but just understanding that that is, that is in their control. And I think that that is an amazing gift to give to your kids to yeah. for them to know that they are in control of that. Yeah. Whatever that means, whether it means they're enduring a consequence or reaping the benefits of it, right? Yeah. It's theirs. Yeah. To okay. me that goes right back to when my kids were toddlers and it was like, okay, if you do this, you go in timeout. And if you are consistently providing that kind of parenting, here's your here are your choices. If this happens and this ha- then this will be your result. And that's kind of like a mini model way back when. Right. And if you can consistently provide that kind of parenting, that's the best you can do. Especially when you're doing it in a way that you're having self-control over your feelings. Yes. Because you have, I mean, it's not that you're not feeling, in this example, it's not that I wasn't feeling angry. It's how I chose to deal with that anger and how I chose to speak. Yes. To my son. All right. Right. Okay. All yeah. amazing things. Yes. And all actually fits quite nicely into the whole teaching thing too because you you know you would have to deal with the same kind of things absolutely right okay yeah. 
Okay, so speaking of teaching, let's jump into the next model where we're um, we're kind of walking through a situation that a teacher might have. So here's one that I thought of, and this is something that um, I've personally encountered in my teaching career. Let's just say last year's sixth grade class is known for being rowdy. Now they're my class of seventh graders. Right. Right. And okay. So my thought is, oh my gosh, they're never going to listen to me. This year is going to be awful. So that was a good circumstance. Let me just back up to that for a second, because um, although you're you're talking about them being rowdy, and that is obviously an opinion, this is something that you have heard. Um, so this is actually a fact that you've heard that this class is known for being rowdy. You're not saying that they're rowdy, which would be subjective. Right. You're saying you've heard they're rowdy, which is a fact, and now they're your class of seventh graders. So your thought about that is they're never going to listen to me. These kids are going to be awful. What kind of feeling does that give you in your body when you think that thought? Ooh, fear. Yeah. <laughs> Dread and fear. 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 Yeah, yeah, definitely. And when you're fearful, what kind of actions will you take? Ooh, let's see. So I'm a teacher. I'm fearful of this group of kids. So when I show up in class, I'm going to show up fearful, maybe intimidated, yeah. And then I think I'm also, because again, we talked about this last week, when you um, have a thought in your head, it's your brain tries to prove it right. Yes. Your brain so, always wants to be right. Right. So if I'm thinking that these kids are awful, they're never going to listen to me, then my brain is looking for evidence that these kids are awful and they're never going to listen to me. So yes. I am looking for ways that those former teachers or whoever shared this information, that they're right. I'm looking yeah. for ways to confirm it. And you will find it. Yeah. 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 Self-fulfilling prophecy. Absolutely. Right. right. So then what result do you get? You mm. get personally. So I would imagine if I'm fearful in class and I'm looking for those ways, I would feel completely out of control. So the result you got is you don't feel in control. And the thought you had was, they're never going to listen to me. These kids are going to be awful. And through the emotion that generated and the actions you took, you got the result that you were worried about. You don't right. feel in control. Okay. Right? Got it. Yeah. For sure. Okay, so let's start with the intentional thought process. We use the same exact circumstance. Last year's sixth graders are known for being rowdy. Now they're my class of seventh graders. What thought do you think you could think instead that would better serve you? Um, I would say thoughts that would be helpful would be, okay, I'm a good teacher and everything's going to be fine if I set the ground rules right away. Yeah. And you know what? When you said that, your body language changed. Yeah. <laughs> you, I can see that that made you, that thought made you feel different. What are you feeling right now? Confidence. And yeah. Empowerment. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> so when you feel empowered, what actions do you take? So I'm going to show up in charge and setting expectations. Mm -hmm. And I also think maybe backing up to the thought, I think part of my thoughts would be that kids are different with different adults. Like kids, well, here, here's a better one. I think kids rise to your expectations. I think that's mm. going to be a, a thought. And so True. not only the feeling that I would have is I'm empowered to lead them in a better way, but they're empowered to make different choices. Yeah. Right? Definitely. Okay. Which isn't going to factor into my action or my result, but that's the thought I'm having. Okay. And just the same way, here's what I think is interesting. Just the same way you looked at me and said, wow, your body language is different and you feel confident and empowered. I think your kids feel the same way. They I think, do. Again, that's where the power is in this because when you show up with a different thought, with an intentional thought, it just kind of shines out of you, I think. It does. And a, and a so kids respond differently. The people around you respond differently. It's, it's power. There are all kinds of subliminal cues that people will pick up on and kids pick up on incredibly. Absolutely. And they know. Yeah. And it's not even words or, or anything like that. Sometimes it's just that energy that you carry. Yeah. With what's going on. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I'm feeling empowered. I've shown up. I'm in charge. I've set expectations. I think I would probably enforce the boundaries as soon as the line is crossed and every time after that. So I'll be consistent. Right? Yeah, definitely. Okay. And okay. what results do you think that would give you? Okay. Again, keeping the kids out of it because it'd be easy to say my class is going to be behaved, behaved. <laughs> and, you know, you know and, and 
This isn't about that. Unicorns and rainbows. Um, <laughs> so I would say regardless of what's going on in the class, if I maintain this attitude, then I'm going to just stay persistent mm-hmm. and consistent and holding those boundaries. And I'm not going to take it personally. It's not going to be about me not being in control. It's going to be about these are the rules. We're going to follow them. It's very neutral. It's very um, much more calm and self-controlled, I feel like. Right. You know, these are the boundaries. If you misbehave, this is what happens. You don't have to get upset at all. Mm -mm. You just say, oh, there you go. Right. Right. Very logical. Or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yay. All right. So I like that one a lot. Okay, let's go to the next one then. Let's do another parenting one. Okay. Why don't we use the circumstance? Okay, my 14-year-old daughter told me I'm ruining her life. Oh, yes, I'm aware of that one. (laughs) And there was probably a slamming door right after that. (laughs) Right, right. Um, Okay, so... so yeah, I think that that's probably a very common thing to hear sure. those words like you're ruining my life. I think there's a reason that that's kind of a cliche. So let's go with that one. All right. So what's your thought about that when, when that happens? I would say for me, um, I would think she has no idea what I do for her. She doesn't understand how hard I try and how lucky she is to have a mom who doesn't yell mm-hmm. because I really do try to not yell. Good. <laughs> yeah. And that's going to be, so, I, again, I'll be very angry. That's going to be anger. and Because she has no idea what you do for her. Right. That makes you feel angry. Yeah. Like, yeah. like I'm, I'm thinking that she's ungrateful or, you know. Yeah. Okay. When you feel angry, what actions do you take? Um, so as much as I would like to pride myself on never yelling, sometimes I do. So I might yell at her that she's ungrateful or at least even... Even if it wasn't a yell, even just saying that to her, like, you are so ungrateful, I feel like is wounding. So whether it's in a yell or, you know, Mm. just a firm tone of voice, I think it's a statement that's very wounding. And then my other thought being, again, the contrarian that I am is, hey, you think I'm ruining your life now? I'll show you what it looks like to have your life ruined. You know, that kind of vengeful I'll show you kind of thing. Okay, so you, yeah. you you tell her that she's ungrateful and you'd show her how you can ruin her life by taking things away from her. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. And when, what result would those actions get you? Um, I would say within about five minutes, I would feel guilt and regret over losing self-control and throwing stuff out there. Because I think in situations where I parent out of anger, I often say things or throw out consequences that are hard to uphold and I want to make sure that if I put it out there I'm being consistent like if I say it then I'm going to follow through right right and so I feel like the result might also be kind of I'm undermining myself Mm, okay right right so let's check that for a second the results in the thought does that loop I feel guilt and regret over my behavior and I'm undermining myself and the thought that you had that started this all was she has no idea what I do for her. She doesn't understand how hard I try and how lucky she is to have a mom that doesn't yell. Well, I've yelled or said wounding things to her. Yeah. So I think that relates that way for sure. And so you're feeling guilt and regret over your behavior, over the over, mm-hmm. over doing those things. Okay. Yeah. All right. And she's not so lucky. right yeah so yeah okay so let's try an intentional thought process with the same circumstance my 14 year old daughter told me i'm ruining her life what thought would you prefer to have so because of the work that i've done on the podcast and the amazing experts that i've worked with i know that that statement and that kind of behavior is completely developmentally appropriate So I think I'm going to have that as part of my thought because as uncomfortable as it is or hard as it is to hear it, it is developmentally appropriate. Okay. So that's your intentional thought. This is hard to hear, but it's developmentally appropriate behavior for her age. Right. Okay. And what does that thought generate for you in your body? I feel prepared or equipped for dealing with the situation because I know what I recognize what it is. I'm not taking it personally, so... I feel, yeah, equipped. Okay. Yeah. So if you feel equipped, what actions would you take? So knowing that it's developmentally appropriate, I would acknowledge her frustration, kind of maybe along the lines of, I hear how upset you are. I would express a desire to understand. 
And I would ask her to communicate her feelings in a more respectful way. Okay. And if you took those actions, what result would you have? Um, Again, I can't put her in that result line. Right. So I think the result would be I would feel calm and I would have opened the door to communication. Whether she chose to step through it or not is her model. And, but for me, I would have stayed calm and the door is open. I've done everything I can. Right. And does that result loop back up to the thoughts that this is hard to hear, but it's developmentally appropriate for her? I stay calm and open the door to communication. Yeah, I think it does. I think because I know it's developmentally appropriate. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. And I will say I'm looking at the action there. And I did say ask her to communicate her feelings in a respectful way. So she did show up on my action line, but it's in relation to what I'm doing. What so you're that's doing. okay, right? Correct. Okay. That is fine because that's an action you're going to take. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay, good. All right. So just to kind of maybe run through some of those pitfalls, let's take this one and see what pitfalls we might encounter based on what we've already talked about. Does that make sense? So we talked about the feelings and the thoughts not matching up, putting someone other than yourself in the action or result, the result doesn't go back to the thought, and then also not practicing the intentional thought as well. Right. So if we yeah. took this one with a 14-year-old daughter, I think right off the bat, it would be easy to not practice the intentional thought, to really stop yourself in the moment, take a deep breath and say, okay, that's hard to hear. And then take different action, have right. different results. That's hard to do. So I think that kind of goes without saying. I think it would be a great idea to take that intentional thought and not just put it on a post-it note. That could probably be like a plaque you could sell. <laughs> Tattooed on your this wrist. This is developmentally appropriate behavior for my child's age. Just re- say that over and over yeah. and over again. Yeah, it's Tattoo it. Yes. Yeah. The DA. It's the, it's the developmentally appropriate step. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Okay. And you know what? I just I thought of another pitfall as we were talking. So you don't want to rush too quickly from the unintentional model to the intentional model. This isn't like a magical thought changer tool that you want to just quickly run through and not put a lot of time into. It's really important that you spend some time in the unintentional thought process so you can see really clearly how that thought got you to the result that you that you got. Okay, I love that you shared that, and here's why. Because in this situation that we just shared, it is really difficult when emotions are high oh, yes. to, to kind of get back into your prefrontal cortex, your thinking part of your brain, and make a better decision. So I think sometimes, and I do this, I do this, Diane, like sometimes I'll put myself in a timeout when I'm having, <laughs> I, I do, yeah. because I know anything that's going to come out of my mouth is not going to be intentional yes. or kind or not, you know, healthy, however you want to put it. So I will say, you know what, you know, I want to talk to you about this, but I need some time. So, Absolutely. I think yeah. that's a great idea. That's yeah. a great practice. Um, I wish I had thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it, I mean, it, it's hard to do in the moment. Sometimes you just let it rip and, you know, and then you're doing damage control afterwards. Right. And I think when that happens enough and you've hurt people enough, it becomes much more of a priority to make yeah. sure you're keeping your mouth shut and taking that break. At least that's been my experience. So yeah. So if you're able to go and take that break and maybe do a model, yes. you know, literally just, just jot that down that, you know, my son or my daughter did this and I'm having this thought and it's giving me this emotion. And, and you, you already know that you're, you're, Gonna, you're about to act in a way you don't want to, which is why you removed yourself from the situation. But go back and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. What is that thought? Well, first of all, it's probably the most important thing is what is the completely neutral fact? Yes. That's probably the most yeah. difficult when you're in the heat of the moment. The most difficult thing to find is the neutral fact because it doesn't feel neutral at all. No. No. You know, so spend some time. You know, when you go through the unintentional thought process and get to the bottom, don't go immediately into the intentional. Exactly. Spend time realizing how your thought is actually creating your result. I have had so many clients that just doing that was a revelation enough. They didn't need to try to think an intentional thought. It actually was such an epiphany when they finally, because we, we dug and dug and dug and spent some time and really got down through a layer of a few thoughts 
and got to the one that they were shocked that they were thinking Mm -hmm. and just realizing it just absolutely neutralized the thought. They were just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I was thinking that. I don't even believe that. Why am I thinking that? And they can just completely get rid of it and not even work on an intentional thought process. It just sort of neutralizes it completely. I know I've experienced that. And I think that the situation is more of a, once you know what that thought is, then whenever old thought patterns pop up, you're like, oh, wait a second. Like, that's not real. That's not true. So you're already thinking differently, right? Like your brain, you are already turned a different way and it might pop up because that's the pattern that's there that you're, you're retraining your brain for. Yeah. But yeah. And just look at it with curiosity because like, oh, wow, there's that thought again. That's, that's crazy. I, that is even not even true. I don't want to think that thought anymore. Okay. Or what's triggering it? Like what's the circumstance here? And you know, and kind of going from there and seeing if you need to make a change somewhere. So definitely. Yeah. I love that. I love that you shared that. Thank you. Okay. I know that there's one big pitfall that we've saved for the last and and I think it's a really important one because it can be easy to think okay well I'll just plug in this pie in the sky unicorns and rainbows thought that I want to have and so I can get the result that I have but I think you've explained it that unless I really believe that that's possible then it's not going to happen because this is a lot of again like I said last week this is a simple process but it's not an easy process and so I think I've loved the way you've talked about bridge models. Is that, am I saying it the right way? A bridge thought. A bridge thought. Okay, so walk us through that because I think that's going to really help people avoid a pitfall. Yeah. So when you're working on the intentional model and you're thinking, you know, what thought can really inspire me or really generate this, this wonderful feeling that I'm trying to have in this situation all the time to this circumstance... Um, what you can do is kind of come up with this great idea and say, okay, my intentional thought is going to be, I'm always a calm and confident teacher. Okay. And if your unintentional thought process was, you know, you're terrified because you have 150 students and then you want to just think, I'm always a calm and confident teacher. Um, I might ask you, well, do you believe that? Is that thought something that you can say to yourself and you completely believe that 100%. And that'll and, re- resonate in your body if you do, right? right. Like and you feel it in your body. feel it in your bones, yeah, right. basically. Yeah. But if it's a little bit of a stretch, then what you might want to do is just change it enough to make it something you can believe and you can repeat to yourself. It's, it's sort of like taking your brain on a path toward where you want to go, where instead of saying, I'm always a calm and confident teacher, you say instead, I'm learning to be a calm and confident teacher or something along those lines in a way that feels believable, feels something that you can actually think and know that it's true. That's where the magic is. Your brain has to feel that that is a true thought. You can't just plug in some kind of magical thing and run off down the road. I I am fit and healthy versus I am a supermodel. (laughs) Yes. I mean, you know, I'd say that tongue in cheek. Right. But what I love about this is that it might actually take more than one bridge thought to get from where you've started all the way to that I am a calm and confident teacher. Like your end thought that, you you know, the one that you're pie in the sky kind of thought, I would call it. So, so you're constantly making these little bridge thoughts. And to me, that's helpful because if it doesn't resonate in your body, this intentional thought that you have, and you don't quite believe it, I think it's sometimes easier to just give up and say, well, nope, I'm not, and I never will be. Instead of, I I just really feel like I'm learning more and more the value of small, incremental, consistent, steady changes. Yes, you could absolutely, you could do this thought work and you could come up with this outrageously fabulous intentional model that is just sounds great. I'm always calm and confident teacher and it generates this enthusiasm in your body. And when you're enthusiastic, you do all these great things. But if you don't believe that thought, then right there is going to cause a disconnect. Basically cognitive dissonance. It's going to cause this, this little 
car crash in your brain. And yeah, the person could quit. They could just say, oh, forget it. This is ridiculous. It's not going to work. So I knew it wasn't true. Yeah. Yeah. You can't go so far from where you really are. You have to be really honest with yourself and come up with something that really resonates honestly. Right. And, and I think you can keep plugging those in and, and feeling it out because you might say, I want to become a calm and confident teacher. Well, yeah, that, that feels good. Or um, I am a calm and confident teacher the majority of the time. Or two yeah. out of the five days of the teaching week. Or whatever it is that you want to plug in. And, and just keep pushing it out until maybe you hit that wall of, okay, wait, no, my body's not responding well. I need to stay. I need to back it out to this previous one. And I can park here until it's my new normal. And then do the, keep doing it again. Then you wash, rinse, repeat, right? Right. Just keep trying it on. Just keep adjusting and moving along. As you begin to feel more calm and more confident, then you can change the model, the the thought a little bit. You can change the intentional thought and your little post-it note and now say, until you get to the point where that post-it note says, I am a calm and confident teacher. Yeah. And you really can almost map out those thoughts ahead of time. You can. Right? Yeah. I love that. I love that. Well, and again... I feel like that's the lesson that I've been getting over and over and over the past probably year or so, which is the small steps count. Like I think what I would love being kind of the type of person, the big picture thinker that I am, I want to go straight from A to Z and skip everything in between. (laughs) And what happens is, I think it's a perfectionistic mindset too, is you just stay stuck in A. Because if you can't get to Z in one leap, then you're not even going to take the one step. Exactly. So so I think doing this incrementally is fabulous advice. So thank you. Great. You're welcome. And thank you so much for coming back and kind of walking us through a couple more models helping highlight the places where people might get stuck and and just in general sharing your wisdom with us. It's been super fun and I really appreciate it. Thanks. I enjoyed it too. All right. Back anytime. Thank you. Thank you again, Diane, for sharing how to navigate the pitfalls that you can stumble into quite easily when you use the thought model. This is such valuable information and it is so actionable. And thank you guys for hanging in with me to the end. I know it was a longer episode, so thank you for staying with us to hear all of the good things that Diane had to share. I hope you can use this concept to create lasting change in your life, and I hope that you're teaching it to your teens as well so that they know how to do the same. Now, I would absolutely love to know all about how you're using it, so you can head to the show notes at theishgirl.com forward slash EP57 to connect with me on all the socials, and I cannot wait to hear from you. Also, if you are curious about what it means for teens to be developmentally appropriate, that's something that Diane and I talked about with one of the parenting models, you can find out more about that when you download my ebook, How to Be the Grown-Up They Need. And you can find a link to that in my show notes as well, as well as to a couple of previous episodes I did with my good friend, Tammy Scow, who's a counselor, where she kind of walks us through what it means to be for teens to be developmentally appropriate and how we as parents can, um, can navigate that. Okay, friends, from an ish girl who is headed to watch the marching band at the first high school football game of the season tonight, and yes, Friday Night Lights are really a thing with a capital T in the state of Texas. It is all about connection, not perfection.